Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today we want to talk about our God who is far bigger than the boxes we find ourselves in. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22 verses 41 to 46. Matthew 22, 41 to 46. Let us pray. Oh Father, let your truths come into our lives and inspire us. But not only your truths to work in our hearts, but open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see who you are and where you are. And the work that you want to do around us, in us, for us, and through us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 22 verses 41 to 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one can say a word, could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Pharisees and Jesus actually had far more in common than many of us think. In terms of theology, Jesus probably shared the closest understanding of God as the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed that God would deliver Israel. That was exactly what Jesus came for. The Pharisees believed that the Messiah would come from God. That's who Jesus is. The Pharisees also believed that Jesus would come from the line of David. And as you look at the genealogy, Jesus did come from the line, line of David. But here was the difference. The Pharisees believed that the Messiah would be the son of David or a descendant of David. And here Jesus was saying to them, but how can the Messiah be a descendant or a son of David when David himself called the Messiah Lord? And it was not even just calling him Lord. In fact, in this passage that was quoted, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. What Jesus was saying is that the Messiah is far, far bigger than David himself. That it would be the Messiah who would put all of David's enemies under his feet. You see, the, the Pharisees, when the Pharisees thought that Jesus was the would be the Messiah would be the son of David, they would immediately have had G, the Messiah boxed in, follow the same paradigm, even as David. Um, had conquests, even as David had a large empire, so this Messiah would also have a large empire. Even as David was the warrior king, the Messiah would be a warrior king. Even as David vanquished his foes and conquered many lands, so this Messiah would do the same. But you see, their idea of the Messiah was boxed in by what they thought David had done and what they had seen David do. 
and that was the limit of what they believed the Messiah would do. And so when they saw themselves in slavery, they thought the Messiah would then destroy or vanquish the Romans and set them free. And a bit, if you were to think a bit wilder, he would expand the nation of Israel once again to its glory, to a second renaissance. And that was what the Messiah would come to do. But Jesus was far, far bigger than David. He could not be boxed in by David. He would not be. He would not follow the template of what King David, the ancestor, did. The Messiah was far, far bigger than all of that. In a sense, then, when Jesus talked about the Messiah being David's Lord rather than David's son, he was blowing, destroying, knocking down all the walls, blowing the top of the box, blowing the bottom up of the box. The Messiah could not be boxed in by the expectations of the Pharisees, thinking that he would be the son of David. Even the wildest dreams of what this great son of David could do were small compared to what the Messiah had come to do. Jesus wasn't going to be the warrior king. He would be the servant king. Jesus wasn't going to just destroy the Roman Empire and expand the Jewish Empire. Jesus was going to expand the whole world and bring the entire world to his feet in worship. Where the Bible says where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. But Jesus would not be bringing the entire world to his feet on their knees by force. He would do it by meekness. He would not move from conquest to conquest as David had, but Jesus instead would be tortured, would be killed, and then would rise again. It was a totally different paradigm, a totally different modus operandi. Nothing like David, though he was a descendant of David, though his call, his mandate was to bring kingdom of God to the world. Though it seemed the same as David's, it was way, way bigger than David's mandate. And the work of the Messiah was far greater, far more powerful, far more widespread than what David could ever do. This really blew the Pharisees' minds and it came to such that they could say nothing when Jesus said, the Messiah is David's Lord, not David's son far, far greater than David himself. Like the Pharisees, we are often boxed up in our circumstances, in our expectations. We think of, we look first at, our expect, at what our circumstances allow us, and then we feel stuck, often not knowing what God can do. But our God is far, far greater than the circumstances, is far, far greater than our boxes, than the things that box us in. And so when we look at our circumstances, we must not allow Jesus to be boxed up, but rather to allow him to blow apart all the walls, the top and the bottom, because God is far greater than all of our circumstances. What do I mean by this? Let me give you some examples. Often when we go to a job, a new work, new office perhaps, 
we pray we have expectations of what a good office would be. And so we pray sometimes that God will provide several Christians in the workplace, even better that it will be a godly <coughs> Christian boss. And when these we do find a Christian boss, when we do find um, good Christian colleagues, we very grateful and we say praise the Lord. But we don't often find that. Sometimes we find one or two Christians, but they don't behave like Christians. We have a boss who calls himself Christian, but she behaves like worse than the pagans. Or sometimes we go to an office and we don't find a single Christian there. And then we lament and we say, Oh my goodness, this is a God-forsaken place. Now, but if you believe that God is far bigger than these circumstances, God is far, far bigger than your office, then you could see things differently. First of all, that God loves every person in your office very, very much. Second, that God loves you so much, you are the apple of his eye, and God will bless you. Third, that God is very concerned about the work that you do. You may not think so, but God is actually very concerned about the work that you do. Whether it is a business, God wants to prosper your business, that you may be a blessing to others. Whether it's classroom or office job, whatever it is, God wants to use your work as a blessing as well. And most of all, God is far, far bigger than any of the circumstances in your office that you face. Now with that in mind, then the question you ask is not to say, God give me more Christians or God give me a Christian boss. The prayer that you pray is, God, what would you have me do in this office? First, well, actually the first question is, God, what are you doing in this office? Because long before you came, God was doing something in this office. But now God wants you to continue the task or to finish the task. And so God has been working in the office already, in the business that you're in. And your first question should be, God, what are you doing in this place? Open my eyes and help me to see. And then the second question, God, what would you have me do in this place? Now, if you carry this attitude in your office, you'll see things very differently. First of all, you'll see how active God has been. The God has been raising desires in the hearts of your colleagues for God, perhaps. God has been making situations turn to turn people towards him. And then he places you in the office to continue the work that he so much wants to do and he's doing already. If you saw that as yourself, as God's mouthpiece, as God's hands and feet, God's blessing, then you let God do the work. Or take a family situation. So you perhaps now your, your elderly parents are dependent on you to take care of them and you feel so restrained constrained you used to go out you used to have lots of friends but now you're stuck caring for whether it is an ill parent or whether it is an ill spouse you feel really stuck at home and you wonder if you can be of any good anymore and of course you find that the ill person is quite an imposition sometimes but if you were to look at God who's bigger than these circumstances and think of these truths first 
God loves that ill person very, very much. Whether it is your father, your mother, your child, your husband, your wife, whoever you're called to nurse and take care of, God loves that person very much. Second, that God has already been doing work in that person. And that part of this getting you stuck with that person is his way of blessing that person. And third then, he wants to bless you in this situation. He wants to bless you in caring for this loved one. And he wants to bless that loved one through you. And so you pause and you ask God, God, show me the blessings. Show me what you're doing with my loved one. Show me what you want me to do. And show me, Lord, how much you love us and how you bless me and everyone else in this situation. Ask God to open your eyes, open your heart. And you may see the situation very differently. You may see so many blessings come from this. You know, when I was young, before I was married, I had a, I loved solitude. I spent a lot of time walking, talking to God alone. But when I had my child, <clears throat> I had to share, of course, parts of the caregiving of the child. And my duty was early in the morning. But you see, it was early in the morning that I spent so much time with God. And now when my child grew uh, just a few weeks or months old, she was an early riser. And I couldn't go for my walks anymore. I had to now spend time talking to her, just carrying her, feeding her. And it seemed such an imposition. And for several months, I just lost that time to talk to God. I missed it so much. There was little solitude left. And so one day I complained to God and I said, God, you wanted me, you gave me this desire to talk to you. And you blessed me with this child. God, the two don't go together because she's taken over my whole mornings. I can't spend time with you anymore. And then immediately the Holy Spirit put an inspiration in me. But basically it's this that, hey, I gave you this child as a blessing. I gave you solitude, a love for solitude as a blessing. Now put them together. And so I put them together and I ended up carrying my daughter everywhere as I talked to God. But no longer did I talk to God silently, talk to God loudly. So my daughter and God could hear it together. And we worshipped God together and it was a wonderful time. Not only was I having solitude with God alone, now I was having solitude with God and the child. You see, the, the reality is that God doesn't put circumstances to hinder us. God puts circumstances that He may double our blessings, that He may bless us even more. If we began to see this God of no limits, that God has really blown apart all your walls, and that He is there to bless you and to bless others through you. Think of all the possibilities. Now I want to say something about this podcast once again. <clears throat> Basically, it was an impossibility. You see, the limit, the highest limit of my ability to preach is once a week. And even then, it's so exhausting. It takes up all my time. Ask any pastor. Preaching once a week is very painful. But then when the Holy Spirit gave me this inspiration, now have a podcast, talk to your congregation every day, 
it would have been even crazier. And what was worse was that I am actually an extreme introvert. Those who know me well know that I'm a man of very, very few words. And indeed, I am. I remember once, um, several years ago, during a church camp when my um, church threw a surprise birthday party for me. And as they did that, they said, Pastor, Pastor, give a speech. And I stood there, smiled at them, grinned at them and said, Thanks. And then I retreated and went off. It wasn't because I was rude or ungracious or I didn't appreciate the gesture. It was simply that I am a man of few words. I got nothing left to say. Let me give you another story. A-levels, <coughs> Chinese oral. Well, part of it was because my Chinese was bad, but I was asked to talk about the traffic situation in Singapore. Let me do it in Chinese first. Um, the examiner asked me, so, um, Singapore, Singapore the so I paused for a while and then I said, Pulang And then the examiner said, Hai yo na? And I said, Mei yo la, Mei yo te, ju mei yo Translated in English, I was asked, How do you solve Singapore's traffic problem? And I said, Well, ban driving. And the examiner asked, What else? And I said, Nothing else. If there's no driving, there's no cars, there's no problem. But that was all that I could think of and that was all that I could say. And so when. You, when I thought of the prospect of having to talk about a Bible passage every day, it just became an impossibility. But then I remembered that God has so much to say. Why? Because God wants so much to reveal Himself. The more God reveals Himself, the more people understand Him, the richer, the better our lives would be. God looks at our situation and says, well, if they only knew me, they would live so differently. And I know that God has so much to say to all of us. And if God has chosen me to be a mouthpiece, then let him be, let me be his mouthpiece. It wouldn't be me trying to conjure up lots to say. 20 minutes is way too much. 10 seconds maybe I could do. But hey, this is not about me. This is about God. And if God wants to speak and there's so much to tell, the congregation, then just let him do the talking. And so this is how I do my podcast. And it's crazy. Two nights before the, the broadcast, um, I read the passage and then I pray and say, God, in the night before I sleep, as I sleep, tell me what you want to say to your people. Next morning, I think about passage that I read again and I have lots of thoughts and then I go on with my work um, and it's still a full load um, meeting people counseling admin the works but along the way it's just God telling me yeah these are the things that I want you to say to the congregation these are the things that I want the congregation to know about me for today and so sometimes early in the morning when I get up I'm ready to do the podcast some days it's much harder and but by evening, I have to because the next morning at 5.30, I'm not going to wake up at 4.30 to do a, do a recording, uh, of course. Some people thought that, well, actually, I wake up at 5.30 to give the podcast. I mean, that's an impossibility. It uh, <laughs> doesn't work. I have to do it before, uh, before evening, so before 10, the recording has to be out. But you know, all these times, it's not been difficult at all. In fact, it's been great fun. Simply because I believe in a God who so much wants to tell us things.
And he does. He's never silent. And I've never had a single day of struggling, trying to say more than 10 words. But it's all because God breaks through all our constraints. Now, if all of us could start thinking like this in all our circumstances, you are in a family situation and you realize that God loves your family very much. He loves your marriage. He loves your children. And He wants to bless and He wants you to be part of that blessing, both to be blessed as well as to bless. Work from there. Ask God what He's doing to help you to see what He's doing in your home. And ask God to tell you how you fit into that role. And let Him lead you. And finally, we lately our leaders and myself, we've been talking about what to do with our church after the building expires. The building's going to expire in 10 years and it's a big worry because first of all, we hear news that um, URA may not renew the lease, which means that that's it. So what are alternatives? And, and secondly, of course, it may cost a whole bundle and we don't have very much money. Well, are we going to get the money to, to renew the lease and to do all the maintenance and all that? It's a big problem. But if we remember that God is much, much bigger than this building. In fact, God is much, much bigger than our church and God is much, much bigger than Jurong. God has plans and then you remember that God loves us individually, but He also loves this church corporately. He has called this church for a ministry, for a mission. But He's also called us together as a church that He may love us very, very much and display His love towards us. That's where we are in this church. We will experience God's blessing. Now, if you remember all of these things, then while we take efforts to save money, we make efforts to write to URA and to talk to the MPs in different ways. We remember too that life is, this thing is not something to despair about. That God has options that will just blow our minds away. Maybe it is to renew the lease. Maybe it's to find another place. Maybe it's even to lease cinema or something else. Or maybe it's something that we have never thought about. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh option. We don't know. And we don't worry. But step by step, we ask God, God, send us out. Use us to be a blessing. Build us up inside. Each of us may know you deeply and be confident of you. And then keep sending us out. And God, as you send us out, you will show us what the next step is. I think that as we, all of us, hold this individually in our hearts, in all our circumstances, if all of us hold corporately this truth in our hearts, that God's not going to provide for us, that's not God's point, that God's just going to send us and He's going to pave the way for us in every way possible that we will be a blessing then as we look to God, He will show us, He will lead us step by step as to how we will as a church be a blessing to the region. We don't know where. It could be still Jurong, it could be Taman Jurong, it could be Singapore, it could be the world. It doesn't matter. We just follow God 
as God leads us. The Pharisees boxed Jesus in because they saw Jesus as the son of David. But Jesus cannot be boxed in to David's template, David's paradigm. It's far greater than that. Let's not box God in to our circumstances, to our expectations. But let God blow apart all of these expectations that he might show us what he really wants of us. Let us pray. Father, open our eyes to see that you are no small God, that you are God who is far, far greater than all our expectations, you are far, far greater than all our abilities and our inabilities, that you transcend our circumstances and our weaknesses. And then, Lord, as you reveal this truth to us, show us, give us new eyes to see our circumstances. That our circumstances are not the things that will box us in, but that you are bigger than these and your circumstances are where you want to, us to see your power and your love and your blessing. And then, Lord, you send us to be part of this blessing that we may reap the harvest with you. So, God, open our eyes or give us new eyes, open our hearts or give us new hearts that, Lord, we may rejoice and be in awe of you. And at the end of all our lives, we may say, truly, how great you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, have a great day once again. God bless you and goodbye.